Welcome to Becoming Parents Podcast. I'm Jen Taylor, your host. I am mom of 18, and you can find me on momsrunningit.com. Remember, give a shout out to those who are brave enough to share their stories with us on how they have become parents. Let's dive right in. Welcome. I am so excited about today. Today I have Laura on, and thank you so much for being here. This is super fun. Already. Hi, Jen. Thank you for having me. I had to, we had to stop pre-gaming because we would have not stopped pre-gaming. <laughs> so I stalk you on Instagram. That's, that's like the sexy, creepy way. And I actually <laughs> asked you to be a guest and, um, I have my phone out, which I, I don't think I've ever done that on a podcast, but you, I said, Hey, I want you to be on. And you're like, that's so fun. Even though your youngest is 14 and my youngest is 12 and your oldest is 31 and mine's 30. So we have like the spread in common. You have nine children. So we have big families. And you asked me like, oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to schedule. Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah. And you were like, I'm in the ER with my 14-year-old. The school called me. He was injured. I was at the hairdresser with hair dye on my head. So that was drama. <laughs> Basically, parenting in a nutshell, buckle up, people. It gets real fast. And um, I forgot I, completely that I had said that. I, I love it. And like, oh, by the way, he'll have a manly scar. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love manly scars. And I was like, uh, you know, like, yeah, so obviously – since you're in the ER and your mom, you can click the link and schedule while talking to the doctors and nurses, managing an MRI and a CAT scan, getting yourself a cup of coffee and cleaning the house simultaneously. And you were, that's how we started our relationship. And I was like, yes, exactly. I, I love her. Um, uh, so anyway, welcome to becoming oh, parents. Yeah, so buckle up, man. <laughs> and buckle. with that. <laughs> and with that, and you have grown kids too. So you can let me know because I was like, you know, I have a 26-year-old daughter who has a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a one-year-old. So like two kids under three, 18-year, 18-month spread, right? Which we've done, but like yes. it's hard. And I don't know if your kids do this, but sometimes my kids are like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Like pregnancy, delivery. Why didn't anyone tell me? And my thing is, <laughs> oh, I think we did tell you. And also, <laughs> would it have made a difference? Yeah. Would you have not had that child? Would you have not gotten pregnant the sec second time? If it was like a happy accident, what, like, what, what's, what, what would you do about it anyway? And it's like pregnancy. There's like a, there's a hundred possible side effects to pregnancy you're going to have 15 out of 100 i don't know which which they're going to be so it's exactly. like you, you do warn them but you can't really warn them because i don't know what your issues are going to be compared to what my issues were so let's exactly. jump in on your wild ride you, you, you <laughs> where should nine, we start <laughs> i don't know you have nine kids and you had two miscarriages and did you biologically give birth to all of them because that's the first thing people always ask i right? did yes one at a time i have no twins that's the other question i get all the yep. time how okay. of twins no twins like, let's just get that out of the way okay yeah no twins i did this nine times all the way yes. through to the end <laughs> and then it's and kind I think, of like you know, on the on the why didn't you warn me i honestly to be to be honest was in delivery with my ninth one where clearly I know what's going to happen still thinking oh my gosh I forgot about this I forgot 
<laughs> I think there's something that sort of clouds you or some biological thing that blocks it out. And you kind of forget about that part. You I think know, it's God personally. Born. I think he makes I women. I think it's part of whether you believe in God or not. I think it is part of a woman's biology to sort of minimize or forget or something because we wouldn't have like most women would not ever give birth more than one time if it was real clear in your memory that pregnancy and delivery and even like if you have t trouble breastfeeding or you have a baby that stays up all night or you're completely touched out like insert issue here if we vividly recalled those in that first year of life from pregnancy conception to one year old we would probably most women would never have a second baby so something in our biology and god just there's no way there's no way i would have done it no way well and i think too like every pregnancy in delivery, I was saying, I'm never going to do this again. I am done. I've had nine months. I'm over it. Five minutes after they hand me the baby, I'm going, oh, this is lovely. I could do this again. You know, there's you could. Just, yep. it's kind of, it's just crazy how quickly you just get into that little, <clears throat> that little baby, you know, the love, and that the love bubble. Exactly. And it's totally worth it. Worth it, it doesn't feel worth it 10, five minutes before birth because it. you're in the midst of the pain, but it's, it's totally worth it five minutes after. So, it, and it is. And I mean, look, we have, our kids are almost all adults now we're heading that way. And, and so you and I have had that experience of going through the preteens several times and the teenagers <laughs> and the, you know, your kids are adults and like, here you go out into the world. And then the safety net after that. And man, it's hard. Every single, every single phase is hard and every single phase is worth it. Right? Yes. That's a really great way to put that. Exactly. You had two miscarriages. Well, and I remember thinking Go when ahead. I had babies that, oh, sorry. I remember thinking when I had babies that I would be done when they were 18, kind of, you know, and then they would sort of launch off into the world and, and I would go back to, you know, it's, it doesn't go like that, you know, and, and so even, even learning how to parent adults now is kind of a new challenge for me. You know, what is my role here? What is, oh. what can I do to help them? Actually, let's tangent on that for a second. I know like maybe lots of people are in those early stages, but you can remember you yourself. Like I remember I graduated high school at 17. I started college at 17. I was a year early and um, I vividly remember what it was like to strike out into the world on my own and what was hard and what was scary. It taught me a lot about how I wanted to raise my kids in that phase. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like getting your kids to adulthood and moving on and what parenting was like for you. It's a very strange relationship because I think in our generation, more often than not, people launched a little sooner, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got married very young. I got married when I was barely 19 years old, started having babies when I was 22, just it was a different world though than it is yeah. now and, and i think it's much harder for kids to do anything like that even if they wanted to which most of them don't want to anymore but it's hard even if they did want to to do things the way we did and so i'm seeing a lot of kids 
kind of floundering in today's society to figure out their own life. And as a parent who kind of came up in a different generation, sometimes it is hard to know how to counsel them in this world today, because the things I did don't always apply. So I, you know, you just have to come back to basic principles and basic values and, and try to go from there. But it's, it feels almost like I think every step of the way with your oldest ones, especially you're growing up along with them. Yes. As a mom, you know, like they're growing up, but this is the first time I've done that too. Yep. And I've never been a mom of a 13 year old and then a 17 year old and then a 20 year old and a grandparent. And it's, it's all new for you too, right alongside them. And, and yet you're supposed to be an authority figure to, help them. And that's kind of sometimes a little intimidating for me, at least I I find that a little overwhelming sometimes hoping I'm doing it right and not making things worse. I think as soon as I learned that I'm living my own story while I'm creating the story for them, it was easier because you're separating, especially, you know, I got married at 19, had my first baby at 21. It was totally planned and nobody thought it was odd. Nobody counseled me to not do that. And that relationship lasted just barely over three years. And I mean, come on, like, you know, how statistically I would say it was amazing that it lasted three and a half years or whatever it was. (laughs) And, um, that adds, that added to my embarrassment that I had a failed marriage right now. I've been divorced once. Even though I happened, I was like a baby, but I loved being a mom. And it was like, it was, it's your first time with everything. So every mom out there, your first baby, it is your first time. And you are living your story while trying to create theirs and basically just trying not to screw them up. Right? (laughs) Like I wanted, I was so invested. I loved being a mom. I was so good at it. I loved doing it. I gave my best every day. And I still screwed it up on a regular basis. And that's, I think learning that was really right. Like perfection doesn't exist, but just like trying to minimize the damage. I I just remember (laughs) thinking even because it's so, it's so discouraging feeling like you're trying your hardest and you love it, even though it's really hard and that you're screwing it up despite the fact that you're trying really hard doing your best because guess what? We're human, right? But I, what about with your older kids? Like I was never friends with my kids growing up. And that's something in this, these new generations, like I had a great relationship, but they weren't my buddy. As a matter of fact, I would say I overshared with my oldest daughter because she was my oldest daughter and it was hard not to maybe even myself, but I really was conscious of like, I'm not sharing my life. You're sharing yours. It's a one-way friendship, right? But when my kids became adults, that became, the playing field got a little bit more even. Exactly. And, and I, but I think even then, it's always a little bit of a balancing act to know, you know, what is my, what is my role here? Because it, it does start to become more of a friendship, a, more of a peer relationship to some extent, but I've noticed that even my older kids in their thirties, when they come home, they slip a little bit into kid mode and I slip into mom mode with them. So, and then on the flip side of that, me starting to have more freedom now outside of being mom and figuring out who is that person, you know, who, who am I, who am I when I'm not being a mom, because the time is rapidly coming when they won't live here anymore. Yeah. So these are all new challenges 
you know, for me, but I think the funniest part is when your adult kids start having kids and they start having realizations yes. that the things they were mad at you for, they're doing now. And, and, not, and really what it was like. Not even because like I'm becoming like my mom and I don't want to be like, because the reality of the situation is that you only have a certain, there's only a certain number of ways to respond to things. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I know. I, I remember looking at my, my 26 year old daughter and being like, is it, how hard is it for you to look in the mirror and realize how much you're like me? And she goes, I think I took the best parts of you and the best parts of dad and just created myself. I'm like, you keep telling yourself that, <laughs> which is probably partially true. Like she definitely, you know, I want my kids to do what I did, take what I did and, and bump it up a level. I yes. want them to do better. I want them to take the best parts of me and the parts that they didn't like. And I want them to very consciously be aware of that, knowing that when you're faced with a situation, there might not be as many options to do it differently as you imagined. And so <laughs> by default. Well, and I think suddenly they can see their role in that situation as well when they see yes. their children. It's so frustrating. They suddenly understand why you were frustrated or you know, when you're, they're a teenager and they think you're being controlling <laughs> and suddenly they have kids and they realize how important it actually probably is to be that way sometimes. Right. And they just start to see it from a whole new perspective. Whole new but perspective. that's one of the funnest things for me in parenting so far is watching my own children become parents. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's fun. <laughs> my my daughter, my, it's so fun. And it's hard. She, I remember in the beginning, she, first, she had a tougher baby. Her first baby was tough and she was one of my toughest kids. And so, um, she's like, mom, I thought you, you said you would never wish me onto me. Like I would <laughs> never, you know, and I'm like, oh, hon, I didn't, I, yeah. I would never wish how hard you were hard for me. And I would never wish that on one of my kids. I don't want your kids to be that hard for you because like, like crying in the shower and endless days of wondering what you're doing and what, like, I would never wish that on any parent. The reality is I don't need to because parenting is hard. It is. And, hard. and, and I like, I can't make it less hard for you. I, I, I would love to do that. And I can't. And she, and she was with her two and a half year old, you know, she's like, okay, so I'm just, we're just going to have like an open conversation about how long the terrible twos last. I know for me, it lasted till I was 10. I'm just sort of like <laughs> throwing it out there. Is it possible? We'll get through it. Before? Like really the conversations are so different. There's, you know, my older daughter calling me crying saying, how did you make it look so easy? And I'm like, I cried in the shower on the regular. Yes. It, I don't know how I possibly made it look easy to you. I, I, I can't imagine that I made it look easy because it was never easy. It was always worth it. I don't, I don't know how. Well, and I think too, you do get a little bit better at certain parts of it as you go yeah. along when you have a really big family. Again, every child is unique and different in your life yep. circumstances change. So it's never like, oh, okay, I've got this parenting thing down now. And, you know, you never get there. But I think what happens is you settle in and you calm down and you get used to the fact that it's hard. So that doesn't freak you out. Yeah. And with my first one, it, I didn't expect it to be that hard. So that was constantly, I was constantly yes, judging yes. myself. 
guilting myself. Why is this so hard? What's wrong with me? Nothing. It's normal. And I think moms, women don't talk to each other about, and I say this a lot because it bothers me so much, but like, we should not be in line at Walmart or wherever with pads and tampons feeling uncomfortable that the person behind us sees like every woman has had to buy pads and tampons right every woman has i mean like why why are we embarrassed by it and why don't we talk about it um periods pregnancy miscarriage deliver postpartum breastfeeding like there's all of these things that all of us have gone through and yet not only are we quiet about it which is why i love this having this podcast not only are we quiet about it and we shouldn't be but we're not nice to each other either and we're all in the trenches crying in our shower and it doesn't make sense to me but so i'm really glad we talk about this stuff um it is hard there's nothing wrong with you and it doesn't even have to be postpartum depression or like any type of depression or anxiety that that doesn't have to be involved in the picture it's freaking hard hard it's relentless And I think that's what you're not used to before you have a child that it is, there's a relentlessness to it that almost everything else in life, you know, you can have a really hard job, but then you go home at the end of the day, you you know, all those kinds of things. But with parenting, it is always, all the time, whether you feel like it, whether you're sick, it's, there's the relentlessness to it. And, and you hesitate to say that because it sounds like you don't like being a mom if you say something like that. And that's not true. Being right. honest doesn't mean that you don't love it and that you, obviously I did it nine times. Right. But that does not mean that every day was hearts and flowers and roses. And I never, I, I remember distinctly not crying in my shower, but sitting down in the middle of the kitchen floor, just sobbing, just sitting there in a puddle in my kitchen floor thinking, I can't do this anymore. And then thinking, the baby's crying you don't have a choice you just you have to just go do it um and if you tell people that it sounds like you didn't like being a mom so you're hesitant to admit that but I do I love being a mom it's my favorite thing in the world but there were those crying on the kitchen floor days too I think we we all feel that way so here's another word like there's lots of words that we think of negatively selfish for example, um, it has this really negative, it brings up a lot in people. And I always have encouraged moms, be selfish with who you are outside your kids, which we've already touched on, right? Not just because at some point they're going to move out and you have empty nests. That, that, like, that's real. And that should be like, you should feel joyful about that at the same time it's hard. Just like you felt joyful about getting pregnant at the same time it's hard or joyful about toddlers or whatever. Like, like you said, it's this balance, but like selfishness, you should make sure you remember who you are and what you love and do as much of those things as you can with a balance with your kids. Um, I'm a runner. So like I, I didn't, I didn't exercise as much as I wanted to in the beginning. And then I was like, can't, can't do that. I need my sanity because there are crying on the kitchen floor moments. I'm a shower crier. Um, <laughs> there, there are definitely going to be those moments and you have to balance them out. And you should never feel guilty for taking time for yourself to do something that you love to be the best version of parenthood that you can be. And so I think exactly. we just... It, it is, it is, parenting is relentless. And that, that can be a beautiful thing too. 
Well, and I think I was not, and I think this is typical. I was not good at that early right. on. Uh, it, right. Most women are not. I absorbed myself into, into parenting and, and my family. And I forgot completely who I was. And right. for me, it took divorce to shake me out of that a little bit because I had to change my life anyway. I, I realized that I had lost myself entirely. Yeah. And since I figured that out, I've been much more joyful mother. And so that is one message I try to send to my adult kids. If I can yeah. convey one thing to them, it's to not do that, to stay an individual who also has children and loves being a mother but stay an individual also, because otherwise your kids can feel that anxiety that comes from losing yourself, you know? Yeah. And making your kids, it's almost like making your kids an idol. Like that becomes yes. so much of the focus of your life that you're not a good parent. You're not as good of a parent when you're, when like everything, um, you know, we homeschool our youngest daughter and we went to this meeting for this particular co-op and I thought I it was suffocating watching this woman because everything about her life revolved around her kids and homeschooling them and I was like whoo she's gonna crash and burn at some point because when yes. when you almost idolize parenting so much that th you have nothing outside of that it's not just a detriment to yourself it is a massive detriment to your kids yes. massive detriment to your kids um like fine. And even if you have to find something, even if like I wasn't a runner, but I, that was how I decided to exercise. Like you pottery, like you need to find things that you love to do that is separate from your children. Because when you feed yourself, it's that same like oxygen mask on yourself before the other, or the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are all these analogies through history about basically take care of yourself so you can turn around and be the best version. It's, but then what do we feel? Guilt and selfish. Two things we should never feel about taking care of ourselves so we can be the best version for our kids. I think too that, that without meaning to when we're doing that, we're putting an immense amount of pressure on our children yeah. to be our identity rather than be their own identity and, and see an example of somebody that knows how to do that. Yeah. They have to feed our identity then. And they, they instinctively know that that's the case. And that's too much pressure to put on a, on a kid. It's, it's much more important to set an example of being an independent soul so that yep. they feel that freedom to also be who they are and follow their dreams and their goals and not be an extension of us be an individual if that makes sense uh, it does make sense and for for any parents out there and dads can be guilty of this just as I think women more innately because we are home and we're nurturing but dads can be you know to our kids to a detriment and I'm not saying take six hours a day to yourself right, and right. ignore your kids like I'm saying find things that you love and find moments that you can do those things because eventually your kids aren't going to be there. And it does put a terrible, a tremendous pressure and your kids will realize they will notice. And I'm going to use running as an example, because like I, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, three times a week, I can go for a run right before they would wake up. I would leave at five o'clock in the morning, write out my route. Or when they got home from school, they would ride their bikes. Like you can, you can do lots of different ways, incorporating your kids even. But I remember one of my kids saying, mom, you should go for a run. 
that doesn't mean you're being a witchy bad parent and I don't like you and you're angry and mean. It means they saw that I was the best version of parenting when I just took a breath. What a wonderful lesson that is, mamas. Like if you take a breath, your kids will notice that you come back the best version of yourself. When you're giving them permission to do that in their lives and in their future parenting, when that's yeah. what they've seen modeled, maybe they don't have to lose themselves ever. Maybe they can do it better than I than hope, you know? Let's, I want to go through like nine pregnancies, but there were 11 pregnancies. And I bring this up. If, 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 a, when you, um, fill out your information, when you say that there's a miscarriage, that is like, uh, I am on board to have this discussion because this is another thing that women don't talk about. I'm a bereavement doula. So I work with women struggling with grief and loss, like years later, not even in the moment. So Tell me about your two miscarriages, total like change of topic here, because I want women to understand that we see them in these, in, in where they're at with this. So, yeah, so I had two, one was quite early on. I hadn't even seen the doctor yet, but I had had yep. my positive pregnancy test and was excited. And that one happened quite early on, just on my own at home. Nobody even knew I was pregnant. Right. And so it was, I remember I had to go to this church function kind of right after that, because I was in charge of it and feeling this, like my, you know, heart had been ripped out of my chest, but not having, you know, sometimes when you go through tragedies, you have this external thing where people will comfort you and hug you and nobody even knew. And that was a very strange feeling for me that I just had had this horrible gut-wrenching thing and I it was like it didn't happen almost and that was very unsettling for me it was just like it didn't exist mm. and that's what I struggled with more than anything with that one was that feeling that it didn't count somehow because it was early or because no one knew it wasn't dramatic enough to count it was kind of this weird weird psychological feeling that I had but yet it did very much to me you know and then the second one was um, a little bit more of a drawn out situation where I found out I was pregnant, but it, I just wasn't progressing like I should. So they were, you know, constantly coming in and checking your levels and all that stuff, but they were going up and not going up enough and something was wrong, but maybe it was going to be okay. And kind of the, for a couple of months, just this, is it going to be okay? Is it not going to be okay? And again, nobody else in my life knew that that was going on besides my husband. And then when it finally got really bad, I went in and they did an ultrasound and discovered that there just wasn't a baby in there, but my body still thought it was pregnant, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Somehow along the way, it wasn't, but it thought it was. And But yet they told me that they thought there was a possibility that I might have an ectopic pregnancy, but they couldn't schedule me for three more weeks because it was Christmas. And so... I was bleeding in pain, but they couldn't do the DNC for about three weeks during Christmas. And just sitting there on Christmas morning, nobody knows anything and I'm in pain. And it just, it was just so surreal. It was very surreal. I'm losing this baby and no one knows and trying to make Christmas happy for my other children and just, and worrying that, you know, if I started to feel too much pain, it was an emergency, <laughs> all that stuff. It was just, 
you know, you don't know until you've had something like that, how that, that feels, <laughs> I think, to be in the midst of, of that. Is that too much detail? <laughs> no, it was beautiful. I, I, I had three miscarriages and my first two were like your first one. And my last one was like your last one more. So, and the interesting thing, so tell me this, if you looked back at pictures of that Christmas, there's no sign. No, but I was in a lot of pain and I was bleeding a lot. So I stayed put on the couch and we have this family video. I really couldn't move much from the couch and my kids didn't know. So they were all coming to me and, and I can see it in my face. Yep. But I don't think anybody else had a clue. That's what you I know, mean. It's like know. women don't, when you have a baby, so let, let, tell me how, where this lands with you. When you have a baby, right? That baby's in your arms and like all of your hope and joy and, and just like, it's, it's like this promise of what this child might be. And you don't even know, and you don't even care. You, like, you don't have any, I never had anything like this child's going to grow up to be president. It's not like that. It's like, like, it's just this unknown possibility of, of you don't even know what could be right. This absolute Miracle. joy. And then when you miscarry, it's the loss of all of that. Yes. And I just, I remember when I went in for my DNC, mm -hmm. you know, they say, put you to sleep really quick. And then it feels like you woke up two seconds later. You yep. didn't, but that's what it feels like emotionally. And just having that recognition, I'm not pregnant anymore, you know, and just, ah, even here, and so this has been a really long time ago, 25 years, but it still hits. Yep. Just that moment where you just, again, it's that feeling of, was this even, did this happen? <laughs> because, you know, when you have the baby, then it's, it's realized that dream is realized, so to speak, but yeah. when it's taken from you prematurely and kind of unexpectedly and it doesn't go like you thought it was going to it's this very strange unsettling feeling because you had that dream but you didn't have the baby in your arms at the end and the fact that that can I haven't thought about this in a really long time now because the pain does lessen over time but when I talk about it it's still there that's actually surprising to me after all this time there's no like birth certificate or death certificate or especially with a DNC, like with you and I, we didn't get to like deliver. I delivered some tissue, but it's not like you deliver a tiny baby that you can see and say goodbye to. It was like you're hemorrhaging, you go into surgery, they pat you on the back and tell you, yeah, you're going to bleed for a while and this is, and you'll heal and you'll be right as rain in two weeks or whatever it is. You know, I mean, it's like the, the only counsel you get from your medical professionals when it's over is how you'll heal from the physical side of it there's exactly. nothing there's no recognition that this was a child that now you've lost and you have nothing to show for it absolutely nothing exactly I didn't even know exactly when I lost the baby because you know, my body still thought it was pregnant so by the time I actually had an ultrasound there wasn't there was nothing to see right and so it felt so strange you know how could i have yeah. had this pregnancy with no baby you can't reconcile that in your mind it's very and hard my, my situation took a month also and so like 
okay, we don't know the, the levels and all they're dropping and you get ultrasounds and there is a heartbeat and then there's not. And like, I don't know, like, so how many, when did I lose this baby? Did I lose yes. this baby at 14 weeks? Did I lose this baby at 16 weeks? Did I lose this baby when I, I mean, basically it's the gestation that I was when I had the DNC is when it was final, right? Was that 16? Yes. Was it 19? Like, you, you, it feels so, because you want to understand our, like our brains, like, I want to say I lost twins at 16 weeks, period. But right. when it lasts four weeks, five weeks, like there's all of this confusion about what does this mean and how old was this baby and what, yeah, it's, it's a really challenging just, thing to go through. Yeah, it is. And I think because nobody had known I was pregnant um, either time, a, a couple of people I tried to reach out and talk about it a little bit, but that becomes kind of a difficult conversation sometimes because everyone's at a different place. And with my second one, I already had four children. Right. And the first thing that people said to me was, well, you've already got kids. So Which is the okay. worst thing. You know, and I thought, I mean, I know what you're saying to me intellectually, and you're correct, I do, and I'm blessed, but this still really hurts. hurts. And there's no space to express that when someone says that, it just cuts it off. As if, right. again, nothing happened. There's nothing to see here. You know, it's done, it's over. And so you just, there's no funeral, there's no, right. there's no closure, and you can't even talk about it with people, people necessarily. No, they act like it wasn't a real baby because it, and you, because you didn't have the real birth. And so it's not a real death. So you can't have real grief. And it's, yeah, exactly. it's very confusing and confronting to go through. So I, I'm really glad that we went on that little tangent. Um, <laughs> <sighs> that was super fun. <laughs> so I think I kind of want to wrap up with advice you'd give to that young mom kind of being on the other side, maybe I, I want to wrap up on a super positive note because with nine children and the majority of them being adults or hitting that point, like when you look back at how fast it goes, cause I know you'd say the same thing. Like it's a blink of an eye. Um, but what advice would you give to the moms in the trenches I guess, or what's the best advice you got? I'm trying to not put you on the spot, but put you on the spot. Oh, goodness. If I could go back and give mm. myself advice or the advice Yay. that I give my children as they're having babies, 100% continue to nurture yourself as we talked about and nurture your relationship if you have one. Yeah. Don't forget yeah. that there's a partnership as well involved there that sometimes gets put on the back burner and, you know, going on to get divorced and become single mom. I think I really understand better now what a big mistake that was to not continue to make that relationship a super integral part of my life. Don't get it. Don't let it get lost. And also just to remember that it's supposed to be fun amidst the crying in the shower days. Don't miss the moments you know, don't miss the days playing with Play-Doh and just think about the mess you have to clean. Just, it's going to go so fast, slow days, fast years is what I tell my yes. kids. And the yeah. days can be endless and you're almost wishing it was, the, wait, I can't wait till they grow up. Don't miss it. 
be in it right now because that day's coming. You're going to have freedom again. You're going to have all that. It's all coming and it's going to seem like it happened so quick. Yeah. Don't miss it while you have it. If is that does that make sense? Yes. Um, well, for us, it makes total sense. But yeah, yeah. try to really live in those moments. Laura, yes. thank you so much for being on. I have loved talking to you. You don't know that you're my new best friend, but <laughs> well, I'm glad to be. That's awesome. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.